Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It is, what time is it? God, it's 8.42 in the morning. Uh, It is the 12th of April, 2019. This is episode 84, Bitcoin and... Woo! <laughs> Woo! Yeah, okay, no, never mind. Oh, Fidelity Poaches, Coinbase Institutional Sales Head, Christine Sandler. All right, so Coindesk.com from our uh, our boy Nicholas Day and Brady Dale and Ian Allison says, Coinbase Director of Institutional Sale, Christine Sandler, has left the cryptocurrency startup for Fidelity Investments, one of the world's largest financial services providers, according to multiple industry sources. Sandler, a longtime executive in the financial space, held positions with the NYSE, Euronext, and Barclays Investment Bank before joining Coinbase Coinbase in March 2018 to head up its institutional sales division. It's not clear which part of Fidelity she's joining, But a logical candidate would be the recently launched Fidelity Digital Assets, a cryptocurrency custody and brokerage service for institutional investors. According to one source, her departure stemmed from a change in the direction of Coinbase's institutional business. I wonder if that would include hiring digital terrorists. Quote, it has become clear that Coinbase is focusing on crypto first and crypto native hedge funds and the team that Adam... White, a former Coinbase executive brought on board, was very much focused on the institutional world, this person said, adding, quote, Christine is part of that. She has decades or had decades of experience of working with traditional financial institutions. Her skills are much better suited to a company that is taking that approach, like Fidelity. Indeed, White left Coinbase in October to become chief operating officer of BACT, the Bitcoin futures platform being built by Intercontinental Exchange, the parent of the New York Stock Exchange. Similarly, another of his hires at Coinbase, former head of trading Hunter Meghart, Merghart, yes, Merghart or Merghart, uh, resigned in October. Coinbase confirmed Sandler's departure, but declined to comment further. Fidelity declined to comment. Attempts to reach Sandler by press time were unsuccessful. Fidelity, which first announced it was building a crypto trading and storage platform last last October, launched earlier this year and has begun onboarding clients. The firm currently offers Bitcoin services, though it may look to add other cryptocurrencies in the coming months. Be careful. We'll get to that later. Tom Jessup, Fidelity Digital Assets president, previously told Coindesk that the firm had developed an in-house framework to evaluate different cryptocurrencies, and it would most likely examine potential listings by looking at coins' market caps. That being said, the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap either will probably not be added anytime soon, Jessup had said. 
citing concerns about its upgrade process. While FDAS has already onboarded a select number of clients, Sandler's joining may indicate a renewed push to draw in major customers. Jessup told Coindesk earlier this month that one of the firm's goals for 2019 was to add new clients, in particular receiving consistent interest from institutions. In terms of the volume that these institutions represent, he explained, quote, I know in terms of assets under management, it's anywhere from like low single digit millions up to tens, if not hundreds of millions. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So Christine jumped ship and it was probably a good, a good move for her. I had covered this a little bit. This is just a little bit more, uh, detail into, into what's going on under the hood, but, uh, you know, at the time, you know, it's sort of like a confluence here. You know, Christine jumped ship right after that fiasco she was trying to mitigate, which, you know, it's like dumping a pile of garbage in in the lap of somebody you hired, paid for, and tell them you respect, and then tell them to clean up the mess. You know, you do that a couple of times, and people are going to jump ship, man. It, it doesn't really matter how much you pay them. It really doesn't. After a while, it becomes, if it's just always a train wreck and a shit show, you can go work for somebody else for either as much or slightly less or possibly even more. Uh, so I I think it was a, a, you know, I think it was a Christine just jumped because it was a, this train wreck going on over at Coinbase and Fidelity, Fidelity Investments uh, that's not running, operating like a train wreck, um, you, you know, just coming, you know, starting to come online. It probably a good move. I'll have to watch what Christine Sandler does after that. Um, what's next? Well, PewDiePie. And we're not going to get too far into it. But if you didn't hear, top YouTuber PewDiePie has joined the blockchain live streaming platform. This is from uh, Yogita Katri. PewDiePie, the world's most popular YouTuber by subscriber numbers, has joined blockchain-based live streaming platform DLive. 29-year-old Swedish content creator, real name Felix, no way I'm pronouncing that last name, buddy, has signed an exclusive live streaming deal with the platform DLive announced Tuesday. His YouTube channel has 93.7 million subscribers at press time. Oh, my God. With his most recent video racking up 4 million views in less than 24 hours. Starting April 14th, PewDiePie will stream weekly on DLive, a decentralized community built using the Leno blockchain, according to the announcement. On his official DLive channel, PewDiePie also said that he will support content creators on the platform by donating up to $50,000 to a maximum of 100 creators. God. Holy shit. Wow. According to online sources, the YouTube star is the platform's ninth biggest earner, taking $15.5 million in 2008. A seven-year-old toy reviewer called Ryan tops the list with $22 million in earnings. God, how does this work? <laughs> A seven-year-old toy reviewer? Now, i got to get my kids into this crap, man. DLive rewards both content creators and viewers using its native token, Leno Points. Oh, God. While some platforms take up to 50% of creators' income, decreasing the viability and livelihood of the community, DLive takes no percentage of earnings and does not charge any fees to content creators, the platform said. 
Leno Network co-founder Wilson Wee commented, <clears throat> DLive is a place where instead of competing against each other, it benefits creators to support one another. With no platform cuts, we incentivize everyone to create the highest quality content for viewers. Leno raised $20 million in February of 2018 to build a, quote, YouTube on the blockchain in a private token sale led by Zenfund. We claimed at the time that he expects content creators to garner three to five times the profits they made on YouTube or its competitor. Amazon owned live streaming video platform Twitch. PewDiePie said in today's announcement, quote, I'm excited to start live streaming again regularly. DLive is great for me because I'm treated like a real partner, just like all of the other streamers on DLive's unique platform. So that's going to do it for that. Super excited that he's on some kind of YouTube on the blockchain. No, not really. Um, because God, just what a, what a, what a mess. I just, I just keep thinking of, of the data structures that we're talking about when you're talking about high definition, 4k video plus very high definition audio. It's a shit ton of data. I mean, oodles and oodles and oodles and oodles baskets of oodles of data anyway so there's that i mean i guess i i guess i will say that i am kind of happy that youtube is starting to bleed out like the uh like it should because they've you know youtube and and all those guys they're just it's it's, i get the feeling it's gonna be like watching the record or the music industry deal with um Napster and, you know, watching the music industry come in and, and deal with something that they thought was just a toy. And by the time they figured out that it was going to destroy them, it was so too late. And I'm, I'm I'm not, you know, bagging on Napster or anything, but one thing that I've noticed like the, uh, about the, the modern music scene is that Napster kind of destroyed good music. And I, I don't think it meant to. I, I, that's why I'm saying I'm not bagging on Napster. But the record industry's reaction put them in a situation where now all I hear is crap. I just, all of us, I think, I mean, unless you're unless you're into hip hop, you know, hardcore, which is fine. That is just that there's so much. There was so much other music out there, and almost none of it survived except rap, hip hop, and country. And everything else is just gone like gone punk rock funk you know rock and roll all that is just gone and i kind of lay the blame at napster's feet but i don't i i like i said i'm not bagging on them i'm just saying the whole landscape of the music industry changed after the whole napster thing so i get the feeling i really do i get the feeling that pewdiepie's move is a signal to the industry that their days are numbered and it will be up to the industry to figure out how they're going to react, how fast they're going to react, and if they're going to treat something like uh, whatever it is, DLive uh, as a toy um, will be yet to be seen. I don't have to like DLive to understand that uh, it's it's probably going to be a force to be reckoned with now that you've got YouTube's top YouTuber moving over to its platform. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, what's next? Coindesk 
Again, Nicholas Day's in on this one as uh, Bitcoin Futures Exchange backed hires PayPal Google Vets as product or Google Vet as product chief. Bitcoin Futures Exchange backed is hired a PayPal and Google veteran as its new chief product officer. The firm announced Thursday that it had hired Mike Blandina who at various points in his career served as head of payments and credit engineering at PayPal and director of engineering for Google Wallet. Most recently, Blandina was chief technology officer and head of product and engineering at One Market. Back CEO Kelly Loeffler wrote in a blog post, quote, as our CPO, Mike will lead our efforts to coverage Oh, I'm sorry, to converge a trusted ecosystem for digital assets with payment use cases, two elements of back that help bring real world applications to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. <clears throat> At uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. As to the firm itself, Loeffler acknowledged that Bact is currently in a state of limbo as it awaits regulatory approval to launch, but likened the firm's development to a marathon, quote, as a former marathoner. This point in time recalls the stage in the training regimen where when you're putting in long runs with your training team. Backed still has no official launch date after multiple delays, though Loeffler hinted that the exchange might provide more clarity soon, writing, quote, race day is approaching. Is that like winter is coming? Whatever. Quote, there is more work to be done, she said. I'm proud to be going the distance with this growing team and of the culture we are building while bringing digital assets into the mainstream economy. End quote. The firm is currently waiting on approval from the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, to list its Bitcoin futures contracts. Back's proposal would have it warehouse its own Bitcoin which may be a factor in this delayed approval. That being said, Loeffler seems undaunted, writing, quote, we are mindful that the infrastructure we are building has the potential to create more opportunities for digital assets to grow in relevance and trust by being more secure, investable, and useful. Hmm. Nice. Nice. I got really nothing to add to that. It's just, uh, that's just kind of the the news going on. I am going to have something to add to this though. Bloomberg writing, oil producers are burning enough waste gas to power every home in Texas. Uh, I'm going to just read just a couple of paragraphs here. Uh, America's hottest oil patch is producing so much natural gas that by the end of last year, producers were burning off more than enough of the fuel to meet residential demand across the whole of Texas. The phenomenon has likely only intensified since then. Flaring is the controversial but common practice in which oil and gas drillers burn off gas that can't be easily or efficiently captured and stored. It releases carbon dioxide and is lighting up the skies of West Texas and New Mexico as the Permian Basin undergoes a massive production boom. Oil wells here produce gas as a byproduct, and because pipeline infrastructure hasn't kept pace with the expansion, energy companies must sometimes choose between flaring and showing production. Okay, so as a child of the Permian Basin, I was I grew up there. I was born in the Permian Basin. I grew up in the Permian Basin, and my old man was an independent oil producer, so he drilled oil wells. No, he did not wear cowboy boots, but he did occasionally. And he certainly didn't wear a cowboy hat and have a freaking bolero necktie-looking thing, okay? He actually never wore turquoise, didn't ride a horse, okay? So get all that crap out of your head. He was a mechanical engineer, and that's what you have to be to be a petroleum engineer. All right, so this has been going on for years. Flaring has been going on for years. 
it is true that the production has spiked so hard that the flaring that has always been a percent of the production, now that the production is so high, the flaring is uh, apparently out of control. Um, and this is a this would be a great spot for Bitcoin mining. And, and people have said it time and time again. I've talked about it. It's not as easy as just tapping the gas like right off the wellhead and sending it to a Jenny. Some kind of, of conditioning of that natural gas would have to be done specifically to deplete it of uh, the uh, sulfuric, the, the sulfur compounds that upon burning will literally become gaseous uh, uh, hydrogen sul- or not hydrogen sulfide. That's what's in the natural gas. It'll become sulfuric acid when it's burned and in the presence of the other uh, combustion products of a burn is water. The minute those two mix, you get sulfuric acid and it will eat through any metal long, you know, given long enough. All that to say it's not impossible and it should be done, but somebody coming up with a really high quality biofilter or something that's going to be able to scrub the the uh, the hydrogen sulfide gas out of the uh, out of the ga- gas stream is that is going to be kind of a critical deal because otherwise you're going to lay down a five hundred thousand dollar Jenny, which is about what if you're going to do Bitcoin mining you're going to be putting up at least five hundred k for your Jenny to have enough horsepower to drive enough kilowatts, to drive enough miners, to have it make sense. And you don't want that engine going dead inside of a month, which is exactly what will happen if you put raw natural gas into the burn. So somebody needs to contact like a, a, a chemical engineer and a process engineer and say, how do we in real time scrub hydrogen sulfide out of out of natural gas? Because this is a shit ton of energy that could be immediately captured and used for Bitcoin mining. Or if you got access to the grid, just piped piped to the grid. There's a hell of a, there's a hell of an opportunity here, man. That's all I'm saying. Um, and speaking of opportunity, the Bitcoin.pub has uh, from Atnik, I guess his name is Atnik, a uh, small bank in Germany is now nearly 30% owned by crypto companies. It looks like they're getting this uh, story from Coindesk, too. Almost 30% of the equity in Weg Bank AG, a previously obscure German bank focused on the real estate industry, is now owned by companies in the cryptocurrency industry, Coindesk has learned. By purchasing 9.9% of the bank, blockchain startup NimIQ now joins TokenPay and the Litecoin Foundation. Oh, that's going to piss people off. Oh, my God. As part owners of the Munich Area Financial Institution, TokenPay became the first crypto company to acquire the bank's equity in uh, 2018 with Litecoin Foundation Director Charlie Lee joining the bank's board in a related move. Man, Charlie's... I guess he's doing the right thing for Charlie. Uh, then Wegbank enlisted NimIQ to help develop infrastructure for external crypto to fiat conversions for banking clients. Nice. NimIQ raised roughly $12.8 million in a token sale in 2017, and much like TokenPay has invested its ICO funds in other assets as well, such as real estate and now equity. I don't want to get into that shit show. Uh, I'm just going to continue, but oh God, that just there's a whole bunch of things that are wrong with, with that. NimIQ co-founder 
Elian, yeah, I guess Elian Chen said in a statement, quote, with Litecoin and token pay as existing shareholders, new clients, including blockchain application platform Lisk and other key prospective partnerships, we believe WegBank is on its way to reinventing itself as the bank of the future, probably. This cross-industry partnership could eventually offer fiat liquidity to decentralized exchange users if they pass the WEG bank screening process. Well, of course. These days, few DEXs can connect to institutional bank accounts for professional usage, unlike centralized exchange options. Meant to help facilitate the first DEX to WEG bank AG transaction, the process NIMIQ system <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, the, the progress NIMIQ system is scheduled for a limited launch by 2020. That said, WegBank AG will remain a traditional bank and never directly tre- uh, touching cryptocurrency. Quote, for the past 12 months, we have been looking at various ways to expand our core banking activities into the blockchain community, WegBank AG CEO Matthias von Hulf said in a press statement about the effort in February. Quote, with NIMIQ, we have been able to develop not only a landmark payment interface, which has the potential to revolutionize the way we deal with cryptocurrencies, but also an innovative and powerful partnership in. Quote, for its part, NIMIQ announced in the blog post, that it would work with DEXs like Agora Trade to act as a quote-unquote middleman to transfer funds between crypto markets and the traditional banking system, charging a small percentage of transaction fees along the way. Well, yeah, you knew that was going to happen. In return, the blog post says Agora Trade will list NIMIQ's NIM token for cross-chain trades, with e- with Ether and Bitcoin without any exchange fees for NIM users. NIMIQ is also partnering with Binance-owned Trust Wallet, according to a recent blog post. The aim is to eventually give users across DEXs access to liquid euros for transactions made with Bitcoin, Ether, or NIM through NIMIQ's upcoming crypto-to-fiat bridge called Oasis. So there you have it. There, uh, yeah, that... Love him or hate him, Charlie Lee is doing is making a real smart move here, and I I I know I'm going to catch shit for that. That's okay, but it just it, it's a smart move for Charlie, and it's probably going to end up being fairly good for Bitcoin. Not had I know I'm, I'm not a you know huge fan of Litecoin. I'm certainly not a fan of of Ether, but whatever it doesn't matter. A handful of these things are going to be here forever and ever and ever. Uh, 98% of it's going to float away like chaff and Bitcoin and a handful of, of shit coins will, you know, will survive. It's just inevitable. And, and there's nothing, I don't know. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be a fan of it. I certainly, I certainly am not, but that said, we're going to have to deal with it and I'm tired of being all angry about it. So go dance the pony rainbow farting unicorn dance or whatever it is that y'all do over there. And I'll just sit over here with, with my bag of Bitcoin. Okay. So that's going to do it for that story. And let's see what's up in the stack here. Well, I think I'm just going to move to vitals. We will talk about the, what I'm inevitably going to talk about later. Um, But I want to, I want to talk about vital statistics right now. So let's get into vital statistics. (music) 
As usual, I'm using bitinfocharts.com for your vital statistics today. And I guess everybody's vitally aware that we had a 500 point or 450 point drop in Bitcoin in like, I don't know, same amount of time that we rose up. Uh, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter, but we're sitting at an average price of 5,060.85. It looks like uh, there's a pretty a pretty good size spread going on today. Right BTC's got it listed at a discount of $5,014.60, and it looks like the high is going to be over at GDAX at 5,069.11. So not as tight as it kind of has been the last couple of days, but whatever. Although the amount of transactions has shot up, 403,371 transactions in the last 24 hours, giving a transaction rate per hour of 17,041. Wow. 1.6 million BTC was sent over the last 24 hours with an average sent per hour of 70,000 BTC, right around $350 million US per hour on Bitcoin. Average transaction value is four Bitcoin. Median transaction value is 0.03 Bitcoin or about 162 bucks US. Block time is low. And I guess we'll figure out that we had hash rate increase nine minutes and zero seconds. Block or the uh, blocks. Uh, uh, good Lord, have mercy. I just, sorry, I'm, I'm frazzled from yesterday. Uh, the amount of fees being taken on a per block basis looks like it's 0.75 BTC and the reward over the last 24 hours, or not reward, the, the fees taken over the last 24 hours is 118. God dang. And yeah, there it is. Hash rate is increased by 3.4% and we're sitting at, wow, just a hair under 49 exahashes per second. My God. And uh, yesterday was the date of the last GitHub commit. So from left to right, Ethereum is at 164, Bcash is at 282, Litecoin is at 79, BSV <laughs> is 72, Ethereum Classic is at six and a quarter, Dogecoin is at, oh man, poor Doge, 0.0028. So it's got knocked off of its 0.003 status. And with 25,000 transactions of the last 24 hours, it is ahead of BSV by a long shot, but not not ahead of Bcash. Uh, Bcash has 37,000 transactions. I still think some, that's it. I knew something was up on Wednesday when I saw all those freaking numbers of transactions over the last 24 hours being way, 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 way freaking higher way freaking higher. Eat it, Calvin. Eat it. Anyway, that's going to do it for your vital statistics. All right, guys, we're going to do Marty's Bent, and I think it's, it's maybe... Time to put reading Marty's Bent to bed. Um, not that, I mean, I love Marty's Bent. I, I read it all the time, you know, cl clearly. But I may need to drop it because uh, these shows are starting to get a little bit long. And, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, if, if you want me to continue reading it, you know, tweet at me. Be at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. 
and just tell me if you want me to do Marty's bent still or, or do something else. Okay. So anyway, but last Wednesday, uh, Marty mentioned something about funk. Tether off, we're going to tether off the mother sucker. Tether off the sucker. Tether off, we're going to tether off the mother sucker. Tether off the sucker. Tether off, we're going to tether off the mother sucker. Tether
2019, issue number 459 of Marty's Bent, A Glimmer of Hope. Simon Lutz has a uh, series of tweets here. The former chief economist of the Swiss National Bank, Kurt Schlicknecht, is openly criticizing current monetary policy and the normalization of negative interest rates in a major weekly newspaper. He sees cryptocurrencies as a possible solution for the economy. Summary below. Central bankers aren't backing down from negative interest rates. Of course they're not. Instead of correctly analyzing the situation, former employees and professors are experimenting around and even thinking about going even further down that path in case of economic downturn. This would effectively lead to a tax on money in case these ideas find their way into the heads of the CB executives. The market may have to find an alternative to the euro and CHF. Hmm. This may very well be a cryptocurrency. However, the creation of an alternative currency isn't easy in the current political environment due to legal tender laws and regulations. Jeez, just use Bitcoin, y'all. The idea of a free competition between currencies was best formulated by Friedrich von Hayek. Due to relatively decent monetary policy, his idea, however, never really got much backwind. Well, I think those winds are changing. What does Marty say? Is that, could it be, a glimmer of hope in the mainstream economic realm? Some sanity from a former central banker? Seems like it. Kurt Schlicknecht, former chief economist of the Swiss National, Swiss National Bank, has come out swinging against NIRP. Our boy Simon Lutz was kind enough to summarize the article from what I assume is a Swiss newspaper. I recommend you peep the thread when you get a chance. The reason I'm highlighting this particular story today is because I believe it is imperative to begin signal boosting this type of sanity. For too long, people have allowed themselves to be lulled into a confused state in which they passively stand by as the world's central banks run amok, now pushing to immediately tax deposits in individual bank accounts. This comes from a group of people who have been completely clueless in regards to the implications of their policies. Insanity. We're on a weird path toward economic calamity paved mostly by the ignorance of the masses who do not fully understand how money works. It is of the utmost importance that we begin to educate people about how money, one of the most important tools humans utilize, actually works and how central banks have lost control or more likely never really had full control of their monetary experiment. 
I highly recommend you pair this thread from Simon with a podcast I recently recorded with a freak named Parker Lewis, in which we dive into the history of Fed policy over <clears throat> right before and after the 0708 financial crisis. The truth shall set us free, freaks. <laughs> The first step is noticing and admitting that we have a problem. The next is helping people become more economically literate so they understand the implications of monetary experiments that affect every human on earth. <clears throat> and let's see, he's got a uh, another tweet here. It was from uh, Yassine. Huh, Yassine Ark. The key to Bitcoin's mass adoption starts with education. After more than a year of educating my mom about Bitcoin, she's finally convinced. So much so that today I walked into a uh, I walked into a conversation of her explaining it to my grandmother. <laughs> Man, that's nice. Uh, final thought: Next morning, a hookah throat ain't fun. Oh God, yeah, I've been there. I've been there, Marty. Your Daily train wreck is brought to you by about, I don't know, a couple of thousand cats dressed in a frickin' space suit. Okay, so if you were dead and and or or so sick that you couldn't hit Twitter, um, all hell broke loose, starting with CoinGeek and that idiot, Calvin Ayer, uh, pay, offering a $5,000, no, $5,000 U.S. dollars worth of of this shit coin BSV. That's what the offer was for his minions to go out and try to dox Hodelanot. Gave pictures of his tattoos. I mean, straight up, straight up jacked. Just, I, I don't even, I kind of, I'm still digesting exactly how somebody could be that stupid with their business. I'm sorry, but that one uh, is, this is beyond the pale. So because I know a lot of you guys out there just cannot freaking stand to read anything from CoinGeek, I'm going to take the hit for you and read you this entire piece of shit from April 11th, 2019, CoinGeek.com. Dr. Craig S. Wright targets crypto troll Hodelonaut for defamatory internet posts. Computer scientist Dr. Craig S. Wright is reminding crypto trolls that the entire, or that their online comments, much like Bitcoin transactions, aren't 100% anonymous. On March 29th, attorneys for Wright, the individual behind the Satoshi Nakamoto pseudonym, served legal papers on the individual behind the Twitter account, Hodelanot. The papers warned that Wright had had enough of Hodelanot's targeted campaign to harass and libel right with highly defamatory and abusive treat tweets. They're all true. They're not really abusive. They're not defamatory. No, Calvin, he's a fraud. The at Hodelanot account has since deleted the offending tweets, which include calling right a very sad and pathetic scammer, clearly mentally ill. The account was also one of the originators of the hashtag Craig Wright is a fraud. Get that thing trending up today, people. 
remember, hashtag Craig Wright is a fraud. Make sure that you camel case everything so that it's easy to read when people are looking at it and they don't think it's not Craig Wright is a fraud. No, they need to pretty much know that it's Craig Wright is a fraud and accuse Wright of attempting to fraudulently prove he is Satoshi. As Wright's attorneys make clear, Wright has not fraudulently claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto. He is Satoshi Nakamoto. He produced the report Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system in October 2008, sent the first Bitcoin to Hal Finney in January 2009, and played an integral part of the development of Bitcoin. He has explained his role in detail on previous occasions. Wright is demanding that the individual behind the Hodel and Odd account tweet an apology to him, make a statement in open court apologizing to Wright, and acknowledge the falsity of the allegations made against Wright. Instead, Hodel and Ott seems to have hidden under his mother's skirt and is nowhere to be found. The at Hodel and Ott account claims to be based in Norway, and the majority of its tweets were sent from the Oslo area, including a photo posted from a local bar named Casbah. The account has also posted several photos in which the individual's face is obscured, but identifying tattoos on both arms are clearly visible pictured above. If anyone recognizes these tattoos, Wright is offering $5,000 in, in BSV. I'm not, he's written something else here, but I'm not going to say it for information regarding Hodel and Ott's true identity. He's asking people to fucking dox this guy. He's in the open, in, in the clear, He's signaling in the clear. He's not hiding this shit. He's asking a bunch of people to try to find this guy and dox him. Jesus. Also, Hodel and Ott has indicated his intention to attend the the Baltic Honey Badger 2019 conference in Riga, Latvia on September 14 and 15. So anyone looking to collect the reward should keep an eye out for individuals who seem unnaturally focused on keeping their sleeves rolled down. Idiot. Like the Norwegian Blue in Monty Python's infamous dead parrot sketch, Hodel and Ott may have ceased his anti-right squawking, but there are plenty of other social media sock puppets who were only too happy to join in on the right bashing from the presumed safety of their anonymous Twitter handles, but these internet tough guys will have their own day in court soon enough. Mm Mm-hmm. As for what may have motivated the attacks on right, Hodel and Ott's very public support for the Lightning Network the inelegant off-chain bolt-on to the discredited Segwit coin suggests that Hodel and Ott hope to discredit Wright's support for BSV and its capacity for massive on-chain scaling. That's why he went after Hodel and Ott. And from what I can tell people, not a single other person, not a single other person has been served any kind of papers whatsoever. Just this guy. A cat with... Somewhere between six and 8,000 followers. A cat. He didn't go after Peter McCormick. We know how much he makes. Holonaut may be unemployed for all we know. Why go after that? Peter's calling, calling him a fraud too. So is everybody. But nobody but, nobody but the space cat got served papers. I want to keep that rolling around the back of your head because this had nothing to do with Holonaut. This had everything to do with the fact that the lightning network trust chain, which was never developed to embarrass anybody, <clears throat> but to showcase what could be done with the lightning network and as an experiment, apparently was so successful 
that it got under the skin of Craig and Calvin so hard that they had to sue a guy to do it, to make their point, to scare the piss out of everybody, or whatever it is that they were trying to do. They achieved none of it. None of it. <clears throat> Rest assured, oh, I'm sorry, hold on. Similar attacks have been made against Calvin Air, another BSV supporter who over the past few weeks has endured a shameful litany of smears and allegations regarding underage females. Yeah, because you feed them alcohol, have them on your boat, have them shake their ass. You're, if you're not a pedophile, you're a twit. You're sick, man. You're in your sixties. You're in your sixties. You should know better. God. The Hodel and Not account was part of this disinformation echo chamber, publicly referring to air as pedo Calvin. So Hodel and Not's legal woes may only be beginning. No, they're quickly coming to a fucking end, you asshole. Rest assured, Hodel and Not and his other trolls are about to discover why he who laughs last laughs best. They're in for an even greater shock when they realize that the bastardized Bitcoin variant they've championed can't scale to meet the needs of a truly global financial platform. And thus they've expended all this vitriol for nothing. BSV is the only real Bitcoin because it follows Satoshi's vision. And as such is the only one that can scale to meet whatever the future can throw at it. Evidence of this capacity will be amply available at the upcoming coin geek conference in Toronto, May 29th through 30th. The antics of the of at Hodel and Not and its similarly minded ilk are further evidence that it's past time the Bitcoin industry grew up. Yeah, like the chicks you have. CoinGeek invites all Bitcoin adults to come to Toronto and play a role in the future and leave the trolls to play in their social media sandboxes. CZ Binance responds, Craig Wright is not Satoshi. Any more of this shit, we delist. Yeah, so that was the cherry on top of the cake and ice cream sundae and whatever else you can envision in your head of the absolute shitstorm that was crypto Twitter yesterday. 5,000 cats were born. And there was a whole bunch of uh, Twitter accounts that I thought were fairly solid Joes that underneath the hood all the time, they were just stupid shit coiners. And I've unfollowed and, and took them out of my Bitcoin uh, uh, list because they are, I didn't, I didn't realize that all the time they were really just freaking statist and, and couldn't stand the thought that people actually have friends and, come together and, and do things. Hell, even Bitcoin Magazine, which CZ Binance is is retweeting when he's telling Craig straighten the fuck up or he's going to lose all his shit. Um, even Bitcoin Magazine changed their uh, uh, their avatar to the Hodel and Not avatar. You're talking about a magazine that has uh, over half a million Twitter followers, whereas CoinGeek has maybe 8,000, you know? Is, and it's whatever. But now here's the other side of that coin, pun intended. Um, CZ Binance making that threat. And as, as much as we're, you know, people are cheering about it, take pause. Take a big pause. Take a huge breath. Step back and think about that. 
I did. I certainly did because my tweet, which is retweeting CZ Binance's tweet, is to say, I would like to take this moment to remind myself that this is one of the reasons why I don't give a fuck about shitcoins. The reason should be obvious. The reason is, boom, exchange. The one coin that will never be delisted and never can be delisted is Bitcoin. And if you're somebody who's like running around like Craig, or you have a way to to say stuff, this is what I like about the actual Satoshi Nakamoto being gone. He doesn't say stuff like this. He doesn't do things like this. There's no reason that anybody, any of the, the, these companies would ever delist Bitcoin, but everybody else, every single other person, except those ossified, truly ossified chains are in danger of being delisted. If they rub somebody the wrong way. Okay. That's why altcoinery, shitcoinery, and all this crap isn't worth my time. Cause I don't, I don't want to worry about somebody getting into a snit and have crack and delist like, I don't know, like if Justin Sun does something really, really stupid and tr- all of a sudden makes a whole bunch of people real, so pissed off that Tron gets delisted, I don't have to worry about that because I don't, care, I don't care about Tron. I have Bitcoin. That's what I have. I also have Dogecoin. And that's what I want to talk about with ossification. Adam Meister and Jeet and uh, Phil, when I was on with them, I had mentioned that I had, I couldn't be a quote unquote true Bitcoin maximalist because I own a bag of Doge at least. I've made that very clear time and time and time and time again. I have a bag of Doge. It is worth about 300 bucks right now. Maybe if that it's, it's, it's nothing to me. Not that $300 isn't something to me. It's just that I've, I've held, I've had $3 sitting or I think I spent a hundred bucks on it. And so, or I might not have even paid that. I can't remember, but I remember that I just didn't, I didn't care about it until I realized that it was on Kraken and I had to get it off when I got my ledger, um, which I'm going to end up changing over for a treasure. Um, or actually, I think I'm just going to get a, co- a cold card from Novak. And I've just never done anything with it because I'm too kind of damn lazy. Well, Jeep brought up a really, really, really good point that as far as he can tell, there hasn't been a single piece of development done on Dogecoin in like over a year. No GitHub commits, no nothing. Nobody, it looks like nobody's working on the coin. The only people that are left that make Doge what Doge is, the fact that it had like somewhere like 27,000 transactions over the last 24 hours is the fact that there's people that are running nodes and people that are mining it and people that are transferring Doge from user to user. Truly ossified. Doge will never be delisted. Well, I'm not going to say never. Doge will probably be one of the coins that if it gets listed to something, will probably not be delisted because there's nobody alive that has enough control over Doge to piss somebody off in the way that CZ Binance got pissed off. If he were to delist BSV, everybody else would probably delist it. And the only way that it would be kept alive is that Calvin Ayer is going to have to spend yet more money to buy an exchange to list that piece of shit so that it won't be delisted. Uh, Short of that... If CZ Binance really does, if he really does delist it, 
you can kiss your bag of BSV if you're holding it good fricking by. So, <clears throat> yeah, the, uh, I, that's all I'm going to say about that. The story of Huddle and Knot is worth an entire show. And the story of Huddle and Knot is not over yet. Okay. But for those of you people who think that he deleted his account, or if you're thinking that it got deleted by Twitter, that is not the case. I will not go into any details. I know for a fact that neither of those two things are the case. Okay. So I don't think we've seen the last of Hodel and not. And I think when he comes back, I think people are going to be really, really happy because the dude is a fucking legend. Legend. Now, with all that said, I'm going to have a drop a second song here. And this is an old one, but much loved by me and all my friends. Uh, I, I'm dropping it here because if you listen to the lyrics, the lyrics attaching to this whole huddle knot thing and the Calvin Aird thing and who's winning and who's losing and who's battling who, th- the lyrics don't, you know, certainly don't help make it clear who I'm rooting for. So I'm going to make sure that, that I say that I'm on the side of huddle and not. All right. And people being able to say what they want and the fact that Craig Wright is a fraud. So when you listen to this, keep it in mind. That's where I'm going. <laughs>
Yeah, buddy. Okay, Torchlight. Uh, let's see here. <coughs> the torch has now been passed to at BTC Venezuela. BTC at BTC VEN. Um, the torch that Hodel and Ott started has successfully completed its travel. It's a thing of beauty, man. So uh, we'll get into this. A BTC Venezuela says we've received the lightning torch donations from the tally at tally co underscore I N campaign run by Hodel and Ott for a total of 0.41 BTC. <clears throat> Amazing what the Bitcoin Twitter community has accomplished for our human humanitarian aid project, BFVI. Thanks to all who have helped Venezuela. And it says, you know, donate and then gives the, uh, uh, an address that you can go con uh, continuously donate to their, to their cause of feeding hungry Venezuelans who are having a very terrible time. Uh, that was not the, 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 trust chain. Okay. That's not the torch. That is the side project that Hula not started because the amount of money that was going to come through the torch, given, uh, the limits, uh, that were, uh, because the whole thing is in beta wasn't, you know, it just wasn't going to be enough. And so they were able to get, you know, 0.41 Bitcoin, you know, like, was that going to be like, God, 25, 2,600 bucks. You know, that's, that can feed a lot of people for a long time down there in Venezuela. Um, now the last person to hold the torch, um, nope, that's not the last, the second to last person to hold the torch is, oh, good Lord. Uh, I can't, he's probably Swedish. I can't pronounce it. Uh, at T O R B J R N B U L J E N S feeling honored to have received the LN trust chain from Maddie Greenspan. Only one more slot before it's sent to BTC Ven. So where did it go? Let's see who got it next. Torkel Rogstad. Wow, man. I, I don't know. I'm, I need to learn how to pronounce other countries, people's names, uh, at T O R K E L R O G S T A D says just received the lightning network trust chain from our friend tour, uh, payment received on the self sovereign at sure, bits, eclair node should have been at hodl not, but I'm honored to do this on his behalf at BTC. Then I have something for you. Are you ready? Man, this, I just love reading this stuff. God. And Bitcoin magazine has done a, a piece on it. I'm not going to read the article, but their tweet says 83 days, 56 countries, and 293 passes later, the lightning torch is in the charitable care of at BTC Vin, and it couldn't have come on a more fitting day. LN Trust Chain, Bitcoin, we are all hodling not. Fuck yeah. So all you haters... You didn't stop anything. You were even less of a barrier than government borders, which apparently this thing crossed the borders of 56 countries, basically thumbing their nose. Every single time that the torch did that, it, said, it just waved at the government and said, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, you can't do shit. 
You won't be able to do shit. You've never been able to do shit. They're imaginary, people. Those borders are imaginary. You should go look at a map of France from the 1300s or 1600s and look at it today and tell me that borders matter. They don't really matter. And and Lightning Torch, a guy that like sat, you know, sitting like, you know, maybe 400 miles off the Arctic Circle, 80% of the population of the world is farther away than he is from the Arctic Circle. He's got an internet connection and a freaking LN node and a Bitcoin node and a internet connection. And he does this. And people are trying to hose him for it. So if you're one of the people that are trying to hose him for it, might really want to ask yourself what it is you're doing with your life because this guy's a legend and you're not. You're not. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Bad Joke Cat. What do cheap hotels and tight pants have in common? No ballroom. Ballroom. Okay, you guys, y'all have a a good weekend. Uh, We'll... uh, I guess we'll sweep up and and clean up after the mess that was made yesterday all over crypto Twitter um, and see what what, uh, happens with HODL and not. But like I said, if you think the cat's gone forever, I'd think again if I were you. I I would. So don't don't feel too bad. He'll be back. He'll, He'll be back. Anyway, have a great weekend, folks, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.